I wanna be a Scottish cowboy Wanna hurt them healing coup Riding over the heather in all kinds of weather Just singing them good old Scottish blues Your lady I'll be riding up high in me saddle All the lassies hearts they're gonna will Oh, they're Caledonian cowboys In my leather chaps and kill When that sun sets over Ben Nevis Hey, the pub will be a while Well, we'll be taking turns toasting Robbie Burns It's time we record with a while You're listening to Mr. Radio, and I'm your host, Marshall. Kip Ferguson is a singer of traditional songs and writes and performs original acoustic music as a member of the duo Coyote Blue. He lives in New Hampshire, and together with longtime musical collaborators and friends Kevin Myers and Sandy LaFleur, is a founder of the Celtic Camping Cayley. Kevin Myers was the duty piper for all the Celtic Camping Cayleys, and Sandy LaFleur was the session mom and one of the original organizers for the group The Rakes of Milford. Welcome to the show, folks. Thank you. Howdy. For listeners not familiar with the term, what is a Cayley? Cayley is a Gaelic word, and it means generally an evening's gathering where there'll be song, dance, stories, adult beverages. It's a good time all around. For listeners who are not privy to the video of this, that was Kevin Myers responding to my question. Kevin, I believe you were the the piper for all of these festivities. What did that entail? We had a number of ceremonies, such as parading the magical stone for the stone soup. And it would be my job to parade everybody at the event to the uh, sacred pot to deposit the sacred stone for the stone soup. Events um, occurring, such as uh, some a Mark Highland events, which we had, which I had to uh, pipe for. And there were a lot of these sort of things, you know, to uh, punctuate the evening. What kind of pipes are there? Most people think of only one kind of pipes, which is to say the Highland pipes. But the reality is, there's about 250 pipes, different pipes from the uh, Atlantic Rim to the Mideast. And... I would play, for the ceremonial things, I would play um, the great pipes, which are which is what everybody's familiar with, the Scottish great pipes. In session, I played the Irish pipes as well, and whistles and flutes and things like that, too. When did um, you first start playing the pipes? Oh, almost 40 years ago. I fell in love with them, but it was a while before I took them up. Way back when, it was very hard. The uh, pipes had almost died out and uh, there weren't many people around there were plenty of people around doing the highland pipes but still for someone who just wanted to learn to play for the uh, for their own enjoyment it's it was uh, it was not an entirely easy thing to do but i got the bug i think i have a bump on my dna spiral which <laughs> makes me love pipes 
they all they just all attract me. The Scottish small pipes, Scottish great pipes, Breton pipes. You know, it doesn't matter. I, I love them all. Uh, I've uh, restricted myself to just playing two because we only have so much time. What is the history of pipes? How old are they? I think the oldest uh, piper that the archaeologists have dug up comes from the Middle East in um, one of the very first civilizations, Ur, spelled U-R, I assume that's the way it's pronounced, and that goes back 5,000 years. They dug up the remains of a piper there who was wearing a kilt, kilt-like object, a bonnet, there were feathers in the bonnet, had a little bag at the waist, just like a modern piper, so it, it, it's a very uh, long tradition. The, the Romans probably carried pipes into areas where maybe they weren't seen. We don't know for sure because there's no records, mostly before the Romans. But the Roman army uh, used pipes for their religious ceremony. So wherever the Roman army went, there were pipes. And we know that there were uh, pipes played in ancient Rome. There are, there are actually laws uh, governing them. So they've been around a long time. So, you know, anything Roman is over 2,000 years ago. It's likely that the pipes would have grown up anywhere in the world uh, on their own. I mean, if you just think about a reeded instrument, they, people were creating them um, in ancient times in every culture. You know, it's, it arose, I'm sure, spontaneously uh, in every culture in uh, in that area that I mentioned. Steve, I have a question for you while you're listening to the pipes here at the at the Camp in Cayley. For, for uh, listeners who are not familiar with the term, what is a Cayley? Cayley is basically a great party. It's a bunch of people who like to uh, get together, play musical instruments, usually play tunes and songs that people know. So it's participatory and uh, there might be a little drinking going on. Uh, during some of these, uh, sometimes people get up and dance. Occasionally, there will be um, someone singing Shanos, which is uh, a solo uh, type of song. And it's just a good party. They could be found any on any continent at any time all over the world because uh, the music has grown so popular. People just love to get together and play Celtic Music. Sandy, you were one of the original founders of the Camping Cayley weekend, and you were also part of the Rakes, Rogues, and Rascals. What were the, or are, the Rakes, Rogues, and Rascals? Well, the Rakes, Rogues, and Rascals consisted of uh, Kevin and, and Steve and I. And um, so we were, we were the RRR, proud sponsors of the CCC, the Celtic Camping Cayley. And um, I was often asked which which was I, the rake, the rogue, or the rascal, and we all took turns. So uh, it was very very democratic. But uh, we got together. Uh, we were already playing music together, and we thought, well, wouldn't it be fun to have an entire weekend of this? And I actually have in front of me a, a big binder of uh, of photos and notes and such. And we got together at I believe it was at Kevin's house. Yes. I think that they, I think we had our first official business meeting at my house, but I think the idea may have popped up at Margarita's, a Mexican place, uh, just uh, hop, skip, and a jump from my house. That that is absolutely, I just see, see that now. Yes, absolutely correct. May 26th, 1999, 
Margar Margarita's restaurant, meeting, meeting called to disorder sometime around 7.45. And we were aware of the fact that we would really need to keep our focus and not overdo the drinking. So we did come up with an agenda. And there's eight items on the agenda. Every other one is a round of drinks. And that was to keep the drinking down. Otherwise, they'd be drinking every time. Right. So I have... This is the, uh, the, the, the agenda and the, uh, the official minutes of the first meeting of the RRR when we planned the first CCC. A valuable document. In a four-color pen? Uh, well, so the notes were taken in Kevin's four-color pen. Right. And I don't, have, I don't seem to have the actual handwriting, but um, I do notice here that when I transcribe the handwriting, uh, onto into the computer, I did use colored ink to delineate the different colors of Kevin's pen of the original taking of the minutes. From your first description of the meeting that you had to start this organization, I can understand the term rascals and I can understand the term rogue, but what is a rake? This has nothing to do with garden implements. Uh, I'll just say that to, to begin with. But a, a rake is a uh, uh, maybe a, a slightly unruly person, um, a, a kind of oh, you know shady, shady in character to an to an extent. We we never tried to take any of this to extremes. A rake was just kind of a a rascally person, a roguey person, a person who would uh, <laughs> like to have have fun, and um, and we were all of that. Someone with a twinkle in their eye. Yeah. You were called the session mum. What is that? The session, because we were having monthly sessions about this time, was just a gathering, a monthly gathering. We used to meet at different places in Milford initially uh, for many years, actually. And the, the sessions uh, went on for over 20 years and we're kind of in hiatus now with the pandemic. But um, so I was the the one who sent the emails out to everyone and just let people know when when we were getting together to meet and I would be generally the one at the session where if uh, we sat in a circle and if someone had played a tune I, I would prompt the next person that it was their turn to kind of keep things moving and to keep things very democratic so everyone had a chance to participate and just kind of keep things moving. I was also the contact person. It, it came to be when someone decided they wanted to hire us for some unforeseen reason. I would be the person that would get a phone call or an email. And we ended up getting actually quite a number of gigs uh, as a group over the years, particularly around St. Patrick's Day. And Steve, I believe that during these camping weekends, Celtic camping weekends, you were a, a sort of an MC. What, what exactly happens during the, the weekend? You mentioned some things before, but can you elaborate? There was a whole kind of a rhythm to the weekend. We'd get together on Friday night. We'd set up the Great Hall. And that was the big pavilion where we had our meals and our, uh, our gatherings. And then we'd uh, generally the kegs would already be on board. There'd be three two of beer and one of root beer for the children. So we didn't want to leave them out. If they're going to learn to be good rakes, rogues, and rascals. They need to be able to go up to the keg and pour a frosty mug. Then on Saturday, we might go to breakfast over at Parker's Maple Barn across the street. 
you know, for as many as well. We'd breakfast for 20. And then we'd go back and we'd have games. We liked to do a lot of things that people could participate in. Uh, that was the main theme. Whether it was music, dancing, we had games like the scone toss. And uh, you've seen the cabers, the big poles that they uh, do up at the Scottish Highland Games. We had a caber toss using um, pool. What do they call those? A little pool noodles. The pool noodles. noodles. Yeah, pool noodles. So you had to flip the pool noodle. So that was one of the games. All done in fun, not really serious competition. Uh, the occasional bocce game might might have broken out here and there. There was a puppet show one year, I think, in particular. Singing, telling stories. That was the afternoon, and then we'd have the great feast on Saturday night. I believe there was another game when I spoke to you earlier, the Bony Knees. What, what, what was that? Bonnie Knees. Oh, the Bonnie Knees. Sorry. Anyone with Bony Knees was out. They, they couldn't knees, make it. Well, you could have Bony Knees, but it wouldn't get you a good score, usually. Right. I always took a little whiskey and put it on the on my knees so that the the judges now the judges were all the ladies they would they would kneel on the grass there and they'd be blindfolded with their consent of course and then the men who were wearing kilts of course would walk up and each each lady would reach forward and attempt to ascertain the quality of this gentleman by his knees and by only his knees Fingers were not allowed to go up or down, go for the knees. And uh, so then they would they would reach behind their back and give a score. And this was all kept by a scorekeeper. Then the ladies would go off and discuss it at the end. All the men would have a term uh, going through. And then they would, at, at dinner, uh, after the dinner, they would announce the winner, along with all the other games. There would be ribbons and a little award ceremony. But that was... Um, that was great fun. The men were not blindfolded. So um, we may have had the better time of it. But I don't know, Sandy. I, I think some of the ladies were having a good time from what I could tell. Yeah. yeah. As one of the judges, I will say I definitely enjoyed the, the judging. We did have one woman who we had to disqualify as a judge because she was just too overwhelmed. And upon trying to ascertain the first gentleman's uh, uh, knee-worthiness, uh, she became totally undone and rolled backwards in, in hysterical laughter. And uh, we had to remove her from the judging line because it was just too traumatic for the gentleman to be judged that way. So we, we, we got her out of there right, right away and we gave her another job to do. Um, it was my daughter who was probably uh, 12 or 13 at the time who would go behind uh, and, and write down uh, the, the numbers that each of the judges gave. So she was the scorekeeper and she was also the, uh, the super right. soup supervisor of the, of the stone soup. Yeah. So when you were not judging these uh, contests, you were also in charge of the feasting. What was involved in that? The feasting it started with the with the the stone soup. We were starting the stone soup, and to, to do that, we had the uh, propane burner. It's like a lobster pot cooker. Wait, uh, I, I I have to I have to stop you for a second. Stone soup. Yeah, yeah. Stone, I'm gonna talk. Stone yeah. soup. What what is stone soup? 
Well, there is a, for, for your listeners, there they, they can actually do some looking up on this, but there is a, a story, a, a fable um, uh, about stone soup that starts with um, a poor peasant uh, starting a soup with nothing but a pot of hot water and a stone. And it, by the by, the villagers come and add things to the soup. And uh, so we kind of recreate created that for the stone soup supper which was saturday night uh, we were you know being the rrr at the ccc and i will say that we had an, an, an overseeing um organization the aaa the alliterative acronym association we were fond of i will admit of uh, of uh, acronyms and, and alliteration so we also had a super soup supervisor which was my daughter now tracy's job was to uh to round up all of the, the the vegetables and such and we would start first of course as, as kevin said with the, the the piping and the processing we would have a propane cooker and on top of that was a keg a big stainless steel beer keg empty except for water at the top had been cut off so you could use it as a cooking vessel and we had the sacred stone which we kept every year to year which i still have and we would all gather around after processing with our our, our vegetables around the pot and we would drop the stone i would drop the stone in the water and we would all look to see if the stone was going to float or sink because if it sunk it, it bode very well for the soup I'm happy to report. Yeah, it's not that, good when they don't sink. Yeah, so I'm happy to report that every single time we did this, without fail, that stone went right to the bottom without delay. So we had wonderful soup every year, and then um, Tracy, my daughter Tracy, would start putting in the the vegetables and the offerings that people had brought to the soup, and it would simmer for several hours and become wonderful um, smelling. And that was the main course of the, of the evening's banquet. I have a question for Kevin now. When you weren't watching this uh, stone sinking to the bottom and you were playing your pipes, what are you doing nowadays? Are, are you getting pipe playing gigs or, or what's happened uh, with that? I don't play the Scottish Highland pipes much anymore. Um, Probably because, certainly because COVID had stopped any of that. I haven't played in a musical session for, uh, uh, you know, since COVID. Just the week before St. Patrick's Day last year, everything shut down here in New England. I still play uh, my Irish pipes and whistles and flutes uh, to keep myself going. And last summer, I used to get together with two uh, friends from the session at the uh, Great Brook State Park in Carlisle, Massachusetts. They have a pavilion there, and we would stay more than uh, socially distant, over six feet apart, and we wore masks, and we would play for a couple hours once a week, which was nice, and that, that, that was good. And occasionally, I would get together with my son to give him pipe lessons because he's taken up the pipes now. Uh, and that that's pretty much what I do. I keep thinking I need to get back to the, the Highland Pipes for the ceremonial value there. But always other things always seem to get in the way, you know. And uh, just keeping up the Irish Pipes, uh, I played two hours yesterday, and then I was pretty much piped out. So, you know, 
Yeah, I'm still playing. And Steve, what are you doing during this uh, time when you can't have an MC session or Kaylee session? Yeah, and uh, I haven't been able to get together with my buddy Richard uh, either uh, with our duo, but we did try it twice. We were, because we were singing, we had to distance our chairs, or we must have been 15 feet apart. And uh, we brought our little amps out and we, he sat near my amp and I sat near his amp. And we tried to get a, a balance out of that, but it was pretty kludgy. It didn't really work. I I only did one gig in the summer, and that was sitting on the porch out in Temple at the Birchwood Inn. And I was the only one on the porch, and everybody else was out on the lawn, socially distanced with tables between them and all that. And uh, I did a solo thing up there one night uh, as a benefit for them. Other than that, writing. I I've got probably four or five new songs that I've written. My buddy Richard's doing the same. So when we get back together again, we can't wait to get back up on the horse and get out and play music, support all these venues that, uh, you know, that are, are such a, a cherished uh, institution up here around where we live. I'm looking forward to that. Soon come. Sandy, what about you? You're also involved in other things besides watching the stone drop down to the bottom of the pot. Right. So um, I've been involved with the Milford Contradance for a long time as an organizer and a caller. And that, of course, is is uh, on hiatus. Um, something about, you know, being in a room where you're touching everyone's hands and in someone else's arms every 35 seconds is not not conducive to um, stopping the spread of a virus. So we're, we're not doing that right now, but I am still playing. My instrument of choice is the Appalachian dulcimer, which I have right here. Um, this is a six string Appalachian dulcimer. And um, one of the reasons I, I was drawn to this instrument, much like Kevin to the pipes, is that it has a drone. Uh, and I find that very centering and very grounding. Um, I've done a fair amount of playing at bedside for people who are in distress or are dying at the end of life um, and looking to do more of that kind of work. Um, I also teach Appalachian Dulcimer. I was teaching out of my home and at festivals before the pandemic. And now I'm still teaching um, at home, but I'm using Zoom. And I have an, a second camera to show my hands and um, teaching at a festival um, in a couple of weeks and six, six workshops all on Zoom. I was wondering if we could give you a few seconds to set up your microphone so that we could hear what the dulcimer sounds like. I'm going to turn on original sound. It's going to sound a lot better. Was there a name for that piece? That is an O'Carrollin piece. Planks Fanny Power, am I correct? No. No. Uh, Shebeg Shamor. There it is. Shebeg Shamor. 
and I just played one A and one B. It's typically played two A parts and two B parts. What are the chances? We only have a few minutes left. What are the chances that we're going to have a virtual camping Kaylee someday soon? I don't know. I'm 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 kind of. <laughs> Hoping that uh, that I actually have a, another one in person, and I'd, yeah. I'd yeah, I I agree. I I think uh, it's worth waiting for because it's just so special to be with uh, with good friends and and good musicians and spend that time. You know, I think Zoom is is great for what it gives us today, but I'm looking forward to tomorrow and even better things. I, I I agree. Um, in person, much better. It, it really needs to be experienced. Exactly. Well, it certainly was nice to have good friends to talk to on this show. And I'm so happy that you were all able to take the time to speak with me. And I, I hope to hear from you soon and perhaps uh, attend one of your Camping Kayleys very soon. We would love to have you here. And we'll give our, our official RRR toast. Here's to us, was like us, down to And they're all D. <laughs> Thank you, Marshall. I want to ride across them highlands From Glencoe to old Ben Lord's Though it could be detrimental To be riding regimental You might tend to get little saddle sore but I'll wear my tartan so proudly Eat me haggis and drink me tea Oh, and gaily I will whistle As I plod on through that thistle Out where the skies, they're cloudy all the day Where the skies, they are cloudy all day You've been listening to Mr. Radio. And I'm your host, Marshall. This program was written and produced by Marshall. Our theme music today was played by Coyote Blue. Mr. Radio is available wherever you get your podcasts, including iTunes and Spotify. Subscribe to our podcast and leave us a review. And don't forget to tune in next week for another episode of Mr. Radio. All the last hearts, they're gonna Caledonian cowboy in my leather chaps and kill when that sun sets over Ben Nevis. Hey, the pub will be a while. Well, we'll be taking turns toasting Robbie Burns. It's time we record Willie Wild. I'll be murdering pints of Guinness Chase them down with a single mouth Oh, my wife's been lately thinking You're doing too much drinking But I swear to her it's really not my fault And this is why I say, honey, I'm trying to be a Scottish cowboy Wanna hurt them feeling good Riding over the heather In all kinds of weather You sing them good old Scottish blues I'll be riding up high in me saddle 
Jesse's heart, they're gonna will. Oh, they're Caledonian cowboys in my leather chaps and hills. Take it away. Say there goes that Scottish cowboy Wants to hurt them here in Coop Riding over the heather in all kinds of weather Just singing them good old Scottish Ooh. 